0: Personal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.
1: All right, it's five past eight. You're watching OTP AM. You're welcome back to the show. We've loads still to come. We are going to spend a little bit more time talking about the uh, Le- leeds Leicester game last night. Adam Pope from the BBC was in commentary duty at it uh, yesterday evening. Adam, good morning to you. Morning, guys. Are you feeling, we were debating here a little bit earlier, are you feeling more or less positive after last night about Leeds' chances of staying up?
2: Um, I've got to say less because I thought it was a must-win must, must win game. Um And after the the optimism that I had about four games ago had dissipated completely, uh, almost ahead of the game, and I'm a glass half full guy, you know, I follow in the back of three consecutive defeats, but much as Leicester would have felt they should have won the game, you know, ultimately Leeds have let it slip, and uh, I definitely look at it as two points dropped that last night.
1: The So the, obviously they're one nil up and the goal goes in in the 80th minute and the both teams have chances after that including having the ball in the back of the net to to see it out. It felt to me watching the game last night that it was a pivotal 10 minutes given the slide particularly that had been there from Leeds over the last three games that hanging on for that last 10 minutes was almost crucial to their ability to stay up.
2: Yeah, they, yeah, they had to make sure they didn't lose the game because Leicester... Probably about the hour mark started to play something like, you know, the quality that they got, particularly Madison. And once Vardy came on, he just needed that one chance. And then after that, you thought there's only going to be one winner here, although leads of that amazing set of chances just to, just towards the end. So yeah, it was right that they, they, they stayed on. The problem was, was that, um, the fans were like urgent to go forward and get the winner and were pleading for, Wilfred Nyonto. And I heard something I'd never heard before, guys. Literally, the fans were singing, make a sub to Javi Graffia. And I think one of the problems was they felt that it wasn't brave enough in the sense of the changes he made, uh, either sort of from a forward position and also from a midfield that had started to run in treacle in the second half, having done really well in the first half. So that was a real frustration and it just felt inevitable that Leicester, once they'd scored one, that they were going to score a second. So in that sense, I get what you're saying. You know, holding on for the last 10 minutes was vital. Losing that game last night and... uh, Although many feel that way anyway about the point. Uh, they'd lost it last night. I think many felt it would be curt. And some felt it, it already is. Um, they've been that despondent lately. But clearly there's, there's, there's every chance they still can get out.
0: What was Javi Grassi's logic, Adam, for for not making that Nanto substitution in particular? Like, I think I heard read somewhere he's talking about wanting options on the counter-attack. But clearly everyone in the stadium wanted those substitutions to be made.
2: Yeah, they did. And he said he'd sort of uh, almost run out of the amount of changes. Obviously allowed to make three. But that sort of doesn't explain why you don't play your most, um well, the star player at the moment. And he's been a surprise package, as everybody knows. He's been accelerated forward, in not only in his purchase, but also in the way he's he's hit the Premier League. And although he was injured a little while ago, he said he's protected him a little bit. It doesn't seem to make sense that he doesn't, A, start him in the place of somebody like, say, Brendan Aronson, who was dropped last night, uh, although Rodrigo played well, but B, not bring him on for a sustained period of time. He felt he'd made the changes that were were there to sort of either keep hold of the game or, or to go on and, and win the game, you know, by more, which they, they didn't do. So it's difficult to... I can't get a straight answer, really, as to why he's not playing him. But what he refuses to say is that anybody is particularly special. What I mean by that, is it, it doesn't mean that they're that special qualities, but he's not making... He's not bowing to public pressure just to play Willie Nonson because everybody thinks that they're the manager and they know better than that he should play. But to be quite frank, it's absolutely baffling while he's not seeing more minutes, even if he isn't starting, because he is the guy. And particularly if he starts, he will grind a team down because of his effervescence and his ability to just keep running at defences. And, you know, you looked at the left back last night for, for Leicester Victor. Christensen, and you're thinking he was ripe for the taking there. And, you know, having Willie Nant to run at him for 10, 15, 20 minutes could have made all the difference. But uh, it feels like a real moment missed in the game to have added some go forward, if you like, for Leeds, just as they were beginning to sort of feel like they were going
1: backwards. There's obviously something he's not sure of, Adam, like either in terms of the team and their ability to hold defensively, and he couldn't be faulted for that, looking at the, the three games previously, or something about the player himself, which seems unlikely, but that's the stuff that he can't talk about publicly, particularly where they're at uh, this stage of the season.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's where people are feeling like, is there a problem here? But you know, maybe we're overthinking this, and he's just... Um, Taking a, a, an over-cautious approach in, into the back end or into these few games where, you know, he felt that maybe not losing was 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 particularly important. But I don't think bringing Nyonto on into one of the four positions was going to sort of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, disrupt them defensively. I, I'd say the problems were, were, were further back. I mean, McKennie and Rocker had te- poor games on Saturday at Fulham, McKennie particularly, and everybody was surprised that he was picked. I've got to say last night, he had a good first half. But second half, he was anonymous and Rocker was struggling too. Rocker misses a great chance. They get that late on, but they were struggling. And that's where the problems have been. And that's where people felt the change, you know, should have been more so, if you like. Yes, people wanted Nyonto to start, but others thought maybe Forscher would have been a good place to start as well. So, and then to not change it. When there was the opportunity to change, it seems to be a real, a real mischance. Certainly, so he's getting sort of pelters from a few sort of areas in terms of a, a selection and b the lack of changes and the right changes.
1: It's the level of scrutiny that's on a team like that that are hovering just above the relegation places, of course, as well. Every single little decision that gets made tactically or from a substitute's point of view gets analysed within an inch of its life, as it did um on the TV last night where there was a lot of chatter about the brilliant defensive work that a lot of the attackers were doing and some of the pundits particularly were um vocal about the fact that the attackers should have been up the other end of the pitch. Easily said... Easily said when you're uh, when you're away from the heat of battle, I presume when you're in the middle of it, like the, the manager's obviously urging his players to defend like that. But it's very hard then, Adam, to get the balance, isn't it, with, with the points that um, Leeds are clearly craving, keeping the attackers at the area of the pitch where they have the possibility to do that. Finding that balance, and it almost speaks to the Nanto conversation as well to a degree, um, with trying to hold firm with an unbelievably leaky defence.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And balance is the word that that Harry Grafton was using ahead of this game too about trying to combine it with the aggression that's required. The thing is, I think Nyonto provides that for you. Mm-hmm. He'll do the dirty hard yards coming back as well um, to give those defensive duties. As we saw with Somerville, uh, who I thought was also unlucky to be dropped. Sinistero scores a great goal, don't get me wrong, goes off injured. So th- they do have that. The the aggression he's looking for was there. And I know what you're saying, because I think you're probably referring to Rodrigo here. He mm. had a game where we literally thought he was going to take on the whole of Beeston and Hunslet. Mm. You know, he was so aggressive. Probably. He set the tone. Uh, he dropped back. He played more as a sort of like, you know, a hard-tackling midfielder almost last night, um, as opposed to being right up there with Patrick Bamford. But his contribution was really telling, and it lasted for, what, over an hour? But he wasn't doing a role that you'd normally be expecting to. But it was effective last night, you have to say. And yeah, and it wasn't a game full of loads of chances either. You're not you're not thinking, oh, there's a ball that's gone in that Rodrigo should be in the end of. Um so in that sense, it it almost were, it was fine, fine margins. But those defensive duties were done by players that you probably, yeah, you weren't expecting it, Rodrigo being one. Uh, but when the chances did come, oh, my word. I mean, the, the Mark Rocker moment, you know, a midfielder doesn't score that many goals and he's only got one so far this season. Great chance. And Bamford, although he was trying to be absolved of responsibility at the end by, by the head coach saying that he would have been offside, mm. it's still a horrible miss. Whether you're offside or not, you've got to hit the target there. So, so yeah. but So, in many ways, the team functioned quite well, uh, particularly in the first half. But in the second half, I felt they got a little bit overrun. And those sort of defensive qualities that you need to sort of keep keep Leicester at bay were just they were just running out of steam, to be honest. And it needed it needed, you know, a change, particularly in the middle of the park. And um it's a real opportunity missed. And suddenly you've got a situation, guys, where you've got fans away from home having to go at the board and the sporting director. You've now got more fans now having to go at Javi Gracia. There's a, a real I'm not saying it's a majority, but there's a real swell of opinion amongst fans that, that maybe that his time is up already which then leads you down the path of what do you do now at this late late stage of the game it's probably too late to make any changes like that and just hope that he can rediscover you know the sort of methods and, 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 and the tactics that were required to get those early results that, that had them heading towards safety.
0: The Patrick Bamford miss in particular uh, as you say Adam was just incredible uh, regardless of, of offside or not but how do you explain that the, the Bamford former or lack thereof? because you see people online saying, you know it's he's just a changed player, he's not the player he once was, or, and then there's others saying he just needs a goal or two to kick start him again and get him on a roll, and that striker's confidence and get it back Where, where do you
2: stand on Bamford and, and what's happened to him? Well, Patrick Bamford has been pretty much broken for, you know, the best part of, you know, 18 months with various injuries. I mean, all sorts. And people point back to, you know, the, the hard yards and the, in the BL series and the, you know, the high intensity and, and the training, in particular. And, the, and he had also, I mean, anything that could go wrong for Patrick Bamford has gone wrong. So to, to actually be back on the pitch playing and, and showing something like the fitness that we've seen before and his ability to occupy defenses, particularly that seems to be returning. He did a lot of good work, you know, winning free kicks, holding play up. Look, he has scored a few goals lately as well. But how do you explain that? I mean, yeah, as I said, regardless of whether he's onside or, or offside, you have to stick that between the posts. I mean, I still, when I was sat on the ground, I'm still thinking that's in. Everybody was out of their seat. Yeah, it didn't even hit the side netting. It was that poor of a finish. So I'm used to him missing chances. Even in the championship, he missed a lot of chances. Uh, I wouldn't say any as, as simple as that. But he scored enough, obviously, to, to help get leads up. You know, he now has 50 leads goals. He got 17 in the first season back in the Premier League when they were, um, when they finished ninth. So it's not like he's missing chance after chance after chance. It's just. People will look back if, if leads go down by a point or two points, they'll look back at that moment like they're doing and say, Oh, wow. That there was, that was the chance that was missed missing, not to have won the game in, in, in a vital fixture like that. I stick with him because I don't think anybody else can do what he does. And that includes Rodrigo. Rodrigo's a finisher, but Bamford gets leads at the park. And that's why for me, he has to play.
0: I saw you were re- retweeting some stats last night from uh, Johnny Cooper who does some uh, stats for Opta on, on the passing accuracy uh, for Leeds last night. It was the second worst half, the second half of the season for them in terms of pass accuracy. You almost feel like that, that that's nerves. Like when you get to a relegation battle and you get to a second half where you realise how important picking up three points as opposed to one is, the nerves can kick in. And, and Javi Gratia, as you mentioned, like he spoke about mentality during the week, ahead of the game and how important that was. Do you feel that this Leeds squad in particular, Adam, have the mentality needed to to stay in the premier league.
2: I think some of them have and I think that's why you've had the clamor for like Liam Cooper to return which he has. I think he's been really solid um I like there was a couple of mistakes last night, but he made some massive interventions at crucial times, particularly on Harvey Barnes early on in the game. I think Luke Ayling, although he struggled a bit form lately, he's, he's been exposed at times. I'm so glad to see him back because he gets it. He was in the championship side that came up and the side that stayed up in the Premier League. So I think there are players with that mentality. I just think there's there's not enough there at the moment that A fans can have an affinity with to think that they understand what it is to play for Leeds. And B whether they really understand just how to cope with um with life in a lead shirt, which can be really heavy, particularly if things are st- turning against you. In terms of the fact that the fans look support them unconditional, unconditionally, they're there all the time. But when things are getting tense in the stadium, it's really hard for players. It 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 really is. But last night, I think you made a really good point there. We were with Matt Kilgallen, former defender for Leeds. He knows what it's like to play in these sorts of atmospheres. It's amazing what pressure does to players. I don't know if you saw it, but you know, Elon Mellier made a couple of brilliant saves, then hit, then skewed two kicks terribly. Mark Rocker literally fly hacking like a Sunday league player at, at, at a couple of balls too late on when it was 1-1. And it's incredible what that sort of pressure and the, and the state of playing the league does to you with 10 minutes to go and you're locked, if you like, at, at 1-1. So some of them are really struggling to cope with it. The pass accuracy is really weird, isn't it? Because I was watching on Saturday, that I mean, Weston McKenney had a dreadful game, passing-wise, in possession he was awful, but last night, that second half, I I generally think some of the players just aren't up to speed with the Premier League, and I put that with McKenney for 90 minutes, and I think Rock has struggled too, and I think when that tiredness slips in, when that pressure comes, then the passes start going astray too, even the simple balls, and um, I think it's a really good point you make, that the mentality required to get over the line, it doesn't seem to be completely there with all the players at the moment.
1: You mentioned Aronson earlier on, um, Ailing, uh, Tyler Adams has been linked with some of the uh, bigger clubs. There are probably other players as well that, that I'm sure clubs around the Premier League and beyond are, are looking at and eyeing up, regardless of whether Leeds stay up or not. What's your sense, Adam, of the... And, and I appreciate that some of this will be dependent on which division they're playing in next season, but is uh, are we talking about a rebuild or what level?
2: Well... <laughs> If they went down, I think there's enough players to keep them certainly competitive at the top end of the of the championship. Um, you know, you'd still get a tune from your Cooper's, your Ailings, but and because I think they'd, they'd stay. But look, if they go down, well, I mean, people aren't wanting McKennie to be bought at this stage anyway. But he's on loan from Juventus, then that that's not going to happen. I think Melier would go. I think I do think he's going to be a Champions League and, and France is number one. Um you could see Bamford staying at this point because you don't see a Premier League future for some of these players beyond other than being at Leeds. Mm. But then, you know, you're thinking, you know, Adams would have to go, wouldn't he? You know, um and then you can go right through the team like that. You're thinking Sinistero is not gonna play in the championship, Nyonto would be sold. So Whether they want to rebuild or not, they would have to, wouldn't they? Uh, Clearly, because, you know, some of those players are are too talented for the championship and it would be damaging for their career. Um, If they stay up, they've got to build again too, because quite clearly this squad is not capable of evolving the club forward from anything other than a relegation battle. And that is not what was the, that wasn't the deal. When when Bielsa was sat. it was... The whole premise was that Jesse Marsh was going to come in, move the club forward and evolve it. And obviously now it's in another firefighting situation with a manager that wasn't even first, second, third or fourth choice. So the squad isn't there to to move forward. So it does need a rebuild. Whatever way you look at it, it's either forced to rebuild in a different way to to cope with the championship life and come back into the Premier League or to move them forward in the top flight. And at the moment, they're, they're a lot of money away from doing that. And of course, a takeover, which is, um, you know, it looks like the 49ers will be coming in sooner rather than later. Don't know what the situation is. Definitely if they go down at the championship guys, I think the price will be a lot less clearly, but otherwise you're looking at the, the thick end of a sort of 450 million, 500 million pound deal for them to take over the club, which we would imagine would be in the summer if they stay in the Premier League. Um, but then you need the finances on top of that clearly to, to move the squad forward. And one of the big things as well is like the current regime. Director of Football, Victor Orta, is is getting a lot of hammer for the signings that haven't worked and the mistakes that have come to light. the John Kevin Augustine fast, for example, for, for the transfer and the wages that they're going to have to pay on a five-year deal. Jorginho Ruta, £36 million, sat on the bench. Uh, doesn't look anywhere near a Premier League player at this point. And obviously, some of the names I've already mentioned too that just aren't working at the moment. So it does need a rebuild. And there's a big feeling that this current regime has run its cycle.
0: Um, Adam, you mentioned the word discontent there a few minutes ago. Like, and we see a lot of the discontent from Leeds fans on social media for sure. But that's a place where you're going to see that sort of thing anyway. What What was it like in in Elland Road last night? Like, is it is it fervent? Is it is it as bad as we see in social media, or, or what's what's the atmosphere among among the fans like it? Match going fans.
2: Well, it was interesting because I think we were expecting it to turn toxic pretty quickly. What they did was so when we got into the ground, I have to say it didn't feel as nervy as I was expecting it to. And we're sat right in amongst the crowd in in, in, the, in the John Charles down the West Stand there, so you, you do feel it around you. Yeah, people were tense and they were you know anxious, obviously, but it wasn't. So you didn't feel it was going to boil over, um, and that I think was because they set the tone in the first five minutes by going at. Leicester pretty hard there was a few challenges left in Rodrigo was bumping players off the ball and I think that really really helped they thought right Leeds are about this today they're they're setting about Leicester and they're going to go for it so that certainly stopped it from turning towards the board which we were expecting to be honest we've seen it a few times already this season the discontent really set in into the second half when it was clear that Leicester were getting on top and the substitutes weren't being made that you know that that everybody was was trying to suggest, and then there were a few cries towards Victor Orta on the final whistle too. But it wasn't; uh, it didn't ball over in the way that we expected it might have done yesterday because of the way that the game transpired from the off. But by the end of it, people are feeling, you know, that's 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 two points dropped, and and to be quite frank, a lot of people think Leicester should have won the game too. Yeah, absolutely. We five games left for Leeds, starting with that uh, trip to
0: Bournemouth this coming Sunday at uh, 2 o'clock. We'll keep track uh, of how things pan out for Leeds over the next uh, number of weeks. Adam, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Pleasure, guys. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.